Hallelujah. I am so excited to be in God's house. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about what God's doing in me. Amen. If this, if this week hadn't been for anybody else, I just appreciate y'all abiding so it could be for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Cause God's doing something for me. Hallelujah. It's been like every night I said, I told the Lord this afternoon now, I said, God, you really need to use Sister Lisa tonight. You know how we do. Because it don't need to be about me every night, God. <laughs> I don't need to get up there again tonight, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then Sister Lisa says, would you open up tonight? <laughs> I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just glad to be here. Amen. I'm glad I have an opportunity, Brother Justin. I could be in a hospital. Hooked up to IVs in a monitor, out of my mind, unconscious, on a respirator, any number of things. I could be in prison, hallelujah. I could be in a grave somewhere. I could be without transportation or a way to go. I could be somebody in a nursing home somewhere where the families forgot them and don't think anything about them anymore. I could be any number of places tonight, hallelujah, except in the house of God. But God saw me, hallelujah, and he said, I choose her, I call her, I'm making a way for her, hallelujah, and he allowed me to be here. Woo! That excites me tonight, hallelujah. My God, I get to be in God's house. Hallelujah. I'm excited. <laughs> Just a little bit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Some of y'all don't know because y'all wasn't here. So I'll give you the quick version. Monday, Monday, my day was like chaos. It was all I could do to get here. Seemed like everything tried to hinder me. Then Monday night, the devil tormented me in my dreams and aggravated me on my job Tuesday. And it was a struggle and a struggle till about 1.30. Then God visited me, standing over my half-made peanut butter sandwich in my kitchen. Hallelujah. And the Spirit of God came down inside of me. It filled me with a new, a different power, a different way, something I've never had before. I can't explain it, don't need to explain it. All I know is God did something in me. Hallelujah. So last night, here's part three, hallelujah, <laughs> the continuing saga, praise God. Last night, I'd wake up and turn over, and in my spirit, not out loud, but in my spirit, I was speaking in tongues. <laughs> and I'd fall back asleep, and I'd wake up and turn over, and I was speaking in tongues. <laughs> and I'd wake up, and I'd fall back asleep, and I was speaking in tongues, hallelujah. I don't know what my spirit was praying, but it was praying all night long, hallelujah. And that's all right with me, <laughs> bless the Lord, hallelujah. If my spirit just wants to pray 24-7, hallelujah, that's all right with me. Let it pray. I didn't want to work today. I wanted to be here. <laughs> I wanted to be here writing nail notes, studying, looking, listening. Hallelujah. Listening for the next revelation, the next thing I didn't know, the next aha moment, the next light bulb that was going to come on. I'm excited, Sister Lisa. I'm excited. You ever get really excited when your kid calls Santa Claus? Ha ha. Was coming on December the 25th and it was almost that day. And you knew because there was presents under the tree, you know, and there were bows and lights and all of that. <laughs> and uh, on December the 24th, you had to go to bed early or you weren't going to get open the presents. Hallelujah. 
we're going to get to open another present tonight, Brother Justin. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Woo. Hallelujah. So in case Pastor Ashkel, one of us is excited tonight. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. I serve a risen Savior. He is alive and He is well. And He is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for me. Hallelujah. He's interceding for me. <laughs> day and night. Night and day. Ain't nothing the devil can do about it. <laughs> he might as well take his lumps and go on back home where he belongs and stay there. Hallelujah. My goodness. In case y'all don't know what God's changing me. Hallelujah. He's doing a work in me. Hallelujah. I just want to be close to Him. Don't even want to turn on the news. Don't care about it. Don't matter what they say anyway. God's got the final word. Hallelujah. He's got the final word in all of it. So if I'll just go ahead and pray. Hallelujah. Pray for the people that don't know Him. Pray for the people that do know Him. Pray for the government and the officials and all of that stuff. Then I won't even have to turn it on and look at it. Hallelujah. I sat down for lunch today and I said, God, I could turn the news on. I don't want to fill my spirit with that. I just want to sit here in the peace and the quiet, God. I want to know your presence. I just want to sit here. Just let me sit here. <laughs> just want to sit here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. Sister Lisa, if we will ever grab hold of it somewhere and just keep asking God, change me. Change me. I don't know what it'll take to change me, God, but you know what it'll take to change me. You know what the key is, God. You know what the key is. I don't know how I keep blocking you or stopping you or interfering or, or messing up your plan or whatever. But God, you know. You know me better than I know myself. You know my ends. You know my outs, God. You know, God, what's going on with me. Change me, Father. I just give myself to you. It's all I know to do. My faith is just give myself to you and ask you in all of your mercy and grace and love and kindness. Hallelujah. And, and, and your uh, authority as my Father. Change me. Change me. You had a plan. You have a plan. You, you, you had a purpose for me. There was something on your mind when my parents conceived me and you put the breath of life in my body. There was an exact purpose for me. It wasn't Clara's purpose. Wasn't Lisa's purpose. Wasn't even Deborah's purpose. But it was a purpose for Kathy. That purpose, God, that's the one I'm after. That's the one I want working in my life and revealed in me. You change me, God. Because I'm powerless without you. I can't do anything but mess it up. That's all I can do. But you can make it right, God. I challenge you tonight. Just keep asking. Just keep asking. Keep knocking. If you knock, surely it will be opened unto you. But I love the scripture about the woman who kept going to the unjust king. Hallelujah. Continually, day and night, she just kept going. And she kept going. And she kept going. And he kept saying, 
Not because anything had changed in the rules. Not because anything had changed in his perception of her situation. Not because anything had changed with her creditors or, or her enemies or any of that. But except she weary me. I'm going to meet her need and get her out of my way. So I can get on with my life, he says. In essence. Hallelujah. She went continually. And then what did the Lord say? If my children will do like this and come to me continually, will I not meet their need? What did he say? Speedily. I'm not saying it word for word. I'm paraphrasing. But the basic meaning of it, he said, speedily I will come to you. Pray day and night. Ask me day and night. In other words, how important is it to you? How much does it mean to you? Is it one of those things that you can just, well, you know, God, if you wouldn't mind too much, I sure would appreciate it if you would, you know, do this thing for me. I appreciate you, God. Thank you. Catch you on the flip side. I'm out of here. And then you never bring it up again until maybe Easter, two years removed, and you happen to hear a moving message, and so you say, oh, Oh, yeah, by the way, would you, would you work that in me and change me? Do you really think <laughs> that that shows that you really are interested? If you pursued a job like that, do you think you would be the one to get it? No. How much does it mean to you? How much do you want it, Justin? How important is it, buddy? Gotta have it gotta have it let god know that hallelujah i'm glad you're here tonight i know the father's glad you're here tonight hallelujah and i'm sure enough excited to be here tonight amen would you welcome our first lady hallelujah i think she's gonna come up and say hello and bring our pastor out she didn't think so no, I did not think so. Hallelujah. But I know, we're, you know, these aren't regular services that we're having, so Brother Metter's going to be coming on out, and I just want us to have an open heart and an open mind, and I want to thank everybody for being here, and I just thank God for His Spirit and His presence for working within us. I do. I'm so thankful for that, and just how the Lord, you know, it's manifests itself differently, the work that God is doing Sister Kathy, it may be bubbly and out, you know, but I feel such a, or maybe I just hadn't got to that part in the work in me yet. I don't know. <laughs> but it's working. I feel that deep working in my spirit. I see my need of Him. I do, and I want today, I was just petitioning God. I said, you bring me through. You bring me through this season that I'm in. You bring me through, God. You bring me through, and then you bring me into your kingdom. You bring me in. It's, I'm powerless to do it. I'm powerless. And that's a great place to know and be and recognize that it takes him to do it. I mean, that's what it takes. And I'm, and I'm thankful that I have enough to know that it's not me, that it is him. Amen. And I just want us to continue pressing and, and reaching and, and keeping an open mind and open heart. I have a great expectation of how the Spirit of God is going to move these next few nights. I was telling Brother John, I feel like tonight's going to be another piece of the groundwork, laying the groundwork, but I really feel starting tomorrow night, it's going to start popping. 
it's gonna get good. <laughs> it's gonna get good, gooder. Let me say, it's it's gonna get gooder and gooder. I can't, you know. I know, I know, I know. We like to sing and all that, and I guess I'm over that. <laughs> I mean, I like singing. Don't get me wrong, but I'm way past. You know, if the Spirit of God moves that way, I'm good. But if He doesn't, I'm good with that too. We we went through so much in Fort Payne without music. We didn't have musicians, and uh, so we, you know. We, we kind of limped along, and then, we, you know, the Lord just finally dealt with us that we don't have to have music to worship the Lord. And maybe the mind of God. Who, who said that the way that we do church is the right way to do church? We learned from our forefathers, and they learned from... But somewhere, we don't know in the book of Acts. I know they sang hymns and praised Him, but we don't know, like, the order of a service. We don't know. We don't know. So God's trying to unloosen our minds so we can yield ourselves because somebody, God might move in a spirit of prophecy or in a spirit of ministering by, you know, to minister to somebody by the spirit or give you an, somebody an exhortation or a word. And that's how come the whole body can be used. That's how the whole body is to be used in order, in order, not out of order, but the whole body to be yielded. So if somebody, if you feel that unction of the Holy Ghost moving on you, and it's in order. Then we speak. It could be a child. We don't know. That's, so our minds get locked into a form. And so I, so I said, I forget sometimes since we've been coming up here. I forget that like I'm so over. I don't even worry about music anymore. But then I do have to. That's why I bring it up sometimes. Like we probably, we may not have a song. We probably won't. But don't you know? Don't be upset about it, cause that's just the way it is sometimes. But uh, I know true worship comes from the heart and from the spirit. And so what I'm going to do is just let us just reach out for a few minutes. I don't have a big, uh, you know, God hadn't laid something on my heart. Y'all are probably thankful. God hadn't laid anything really on my heart. I just, other than I could just feel in prayer. You know, late down this afternoon, I wanted to listen to my Bible. I wanted to listen, and I don't know what in the world, my, I don't know what happened, but my iTunes was not working on my phone, and I almost cried. I, I even have that version Bible, and it has a play where you can play, and it wouldn't work, and I was like, Ugh. I was just wanting to hear the word, but you know what I did? I just reached out in myself in my spirit, speaking in tongues, you know, just reaching to the Lord. And so I recognize that's what the communication he had for me at that time. But my, you know, we get tired and weary and we just want somebody to do it for us. And we, you know, sometimes I was just going to hit play on that Bible and let that work. But that's not what God had. There's just so, you know, I want to encourage you no matter where you are in your season, you know, every you know, every, we have ups and downs and and trials and things, and so no matter where you are, reach to Him. He will bring you through. He will bring you through, all the way through to the very end. He has an expected end. He does. He has an expected end, and we need to ask Him for it and ask Him to reveal it to us. I was created for His purpose. I was created for His purpose. Do you believe you were created for His purpose? Uh, yes. I don't want my life to end without fulfilling His purpose. I don't want that. And I, I don't want that. Justin, I don't, you don't want that. 
I want, and I'm beginning to understand the things that the Lord's shown to Brother John and, and he's ministering on. I never understood about the kingdom of God. I thought it, I didn't know. I didn't know anything, Brother Kevin. I didn't know. I thought I knew. I'd been in church. I should have known I'd been in church. I should have known, but I didn't. And that's all right because if God didn't reveal it, but when I heard it, I questioned and I said, I don't understand the difference between heaven. Why is there a difference between heaven and the kingdom of heaven? I didn't understand, but as Brother John began explaining and showing me scriptures and things, I was like, man, that, no, God, not man, but God. That makes a lot of sense, and there is a difference. But I, I did, so many things we have just heard and picked up in church, but they're not the truth. I want the truth. I don't want to believe a lie and be damned. Do you realize that you can believe a lie and be damned, and I don't want that. I want to believe the truth. I don't like for somebody to lie to me. Don't lie to me. And don't tell me a part truth. You tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. It's like when you go to the doctor. Tell me the truth. Don't tell me part of what's wrong with me. I want you tell me the worst case scenario. You tell me the truth. Give me my options and we'll go from there. So that's how I feel about the Word of God. I want the whole truth. And I understand there's going to be more. He says the unsearchable riches of Christ. And there will be things, Brother John may bring these scriptures out, but it speaks of things that are hidden until now. That everything, what, everything has not been revealed because he said, told Daniel to shut up the vision. So has that mean it's been opened yet? No. So no. So there are things yet to come. There are things yet to come. Are prophecies of things of old? No. Prophecies are of things to come. And so therefore it would not necessarily be a Bible scripture, but that doesn't mean it's not true. God reveals. He told the, John the Revelator, he said, you will prophesy again. That's in the Word. He said, well, he's dead. So I believe his spirit, the spirit, just like the spirit of Elijah, the spirit, or the spirit of John, is going to prophesy again. So we got to unblock our minds. We just need to open the... What is, you know, on the cow pasture, open the gate, let them out. Open the barn door, let the horse out. We got to, we got to, I have to. I'm not pointing and I'm just saying I've had to unlearn and unlock a lot of things, unloose a lot of thoughts. Y'all have no idea what it's been like to be at my house the last 10 years. You have no idea. Poor Brother John. Because I would definitely go to him. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm fixing to have us, you know, start reaching out to the Lord and for him to, you know, help us tonight, but I just want to lay another little section out there. Don't be afraid to ask a question that you don't understand. He'll give an opportunity. Maybe during the service while he's ministering, if something comes to you, jot it down, and he'll give you that time. You know, we don't have to ask it in a combative way, but we can ask in a true I mean, there's been many questions I would ask him, and I would say, well, I just don't understand. I just, and he'd say, well, I can't help that you don't understand, but I can give you the word and explain to you in the word, and then I will pray that God help you. And you know God has. But I would go to him many times, and I would say, this is what I was taught. And that's what this scripture, I was told this scripture means. And he would say, that's very nice. But <laughs> what does the word say? And I'd say, well, it says, and I'm sorry, my mind is blank at the moment that I could think of one in particular. But 
I would say, well, it says this. He says, then leave it at that. And, or he would give another reference to that scripture to back it up. I said, well, that is not what I was taught. That is not what I was taught. But you know what? It really made me lose respect in some regards for... Why didn't somebody search out the truth? I, you know, how many of us, we just went to church because we love Jesus. But why was truth not taught? It's up to a minister to seek for the truth or don't get in the pulpit. Oh, yes, now I've gone to slamming. And I don't mean it to sound like that. I don't mean it to sound like that. But what's wrong with our country, it's the preachers that are at fault. There's not been, oh, dear God, how am I going down this road? But it's the truth. Preachers have not held a standard. They've not held a standard against sin. And now that homosexuality is coming to the church, now they're just, oh, my Lord. But you know what? They didn't stop sin at the door. They let it creep in when it felt good and it was a little sin. A little lie here. A little uh, adultery here, right? A little fornication here. Oh, well, it's all right. A little marrying and remarrying. Oh, it's okay. I'm just saying, no, but they don't, he, they didn't stop sin at the door. Somebody's got to hold up a standard. And it was the preacher's job. Then you shouldn't have been in the pulpit. Then you shouldn't have been in the pulpit. Because if there was nobody in truth to be in the pulpit, then the people would have got in and cried out to God and said, send us a leader. When the glory of God departed from the church, we should have been crying out to God. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm just as guilty other than I had no knowledge of myself. I had no knowledge. I was only doing what I was taught before, but years ago when it fell out. We should have been crying out for the glory of God. We should have been. So now God's bringing the truth. You know, there's always been somebody held in a standard of truth, but God is fixing to hit this earth with the truth, and He's bringing His body together. He's raising up the body of Christ all over the world. All over the world, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. So I just want to... I know I really didn't know I was going to go down that road, but I feel like we have to have understanding sometimes. Of why we, how we got to where we were so we don't repeat it. We don't have to justify. When many of us have justified the pulpit being in a bad situation. That's not right. I sat under a lot of preachers that were wrong. They did wrong, but I justified it. I covered it. I, but I, I didn't want to own up to the fact that the leadership was wrong. Well, God's setting the church in order, and he's going to start at the top and come all the way down. We can't get clean until the leadership gets clean. It's going to start in the front and work itself out to the congregation. And I feel like that, and I know that that's what God is doing. He's setting his church in order. And I know Sister Kathy is fixing to uh, bring us a song here, but I just sometimes, or perhaps she's trying to, but we got to have understanding. And just because we don't see something happening in this meeting with our eye, you got a natural eye. we got to see in the Spirit. I haven't been around too long. I haven't seen too many things 
When the Spirit of God speaks, you walk it out. You don't matter what it looks like right here. It goes forth in the Spirit. Do you believe that there's a Spirit realm and you speak in the Spirit realm and things happen? Well, when God speaks to you and you utter those words, it's just as true and it's just never going to fail, just like the words on that page of that Bible. They will not fail. So we have gathered here this week for God to establish those pillars of truth that you dreamed about or that he dreamed about or saw the vision of, whichever it was. These pillars of truth are being established in this area, Sister Pat. That is so exciting. They're being established in this area. So I'm not concerned at what I see. I know in the Spirit what God's doing and his word won't fail and it will not fall to the ground. So hold tight. We went to many a tent revival through the years that he, he would go into a town. We'd set the tent up and nobody would be there. But night after night, prayer, 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 and the word would go out. And you know, before it was over, God honored that word. Some years, I can say, though, we still ended up with nobody in the meeting. But the next, when God sent him back and God spoke, the next two or three years, wherever it was, we'd get there and just, bam, it will explode. That's because that spirit. The Word had been working in the Spirit all that time. So we've got to look in the Spirit realm. Amen? You've got to believe that. I just, like I said, I just sometimes feel like we have to give explanation and, and uh, understanding to where we are in the hour and not just assume that it's fully understood. You know, we've got to explain sometimes and give, like I said, give that understanding so that as the body we can all move forward and know. Amen? I'm going to see what's going on here. We'll see how... Uh, Mm-hmm. Hang on, y'all. Hold on just a moment, Sister Kathy. What we got? Okay. So after my uh, saying we were going to have a song, guess what? Huh, we're having a song tonight, <laughs> or however else the Lord would lead. But I want our hearts just to be open to the Lord. Let's just. Are you getting ready? To, is He finding it? Okay. Well, let's just bow our heads and let's just meditate and reach out to the Lord as Sister Kathy gets ready to come. God, you just penetrate our spirits tonight. God, penetrate our spirits and penetrate our hearts, God. Open the eyes of our understanding, Lord. Give us a heart, God, to understand and ears to hear, God, what you're saying. God, I don't want one thing to get by me. God, I don't want one thing of the Spirit to get by. God, I want it to sink in. God, I want to assimilate everything, God, that you're bringing to us. God, I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want your nature, Jesus. I want your nature, your likeness, your image. God, bring us forth in your image, Jesus. Bring us forth in your image, God. I praise you for it. God, you minister to us tonight. Minister to us tonight, God. Minister to us. Bring us to understanding, God. Bring us to enlightenment, God. Bring us to your kingdom, God. Bring us on into your kingdom, God. I thank you for it. God, I praise you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. God knew 30 years ago that I needed a brainiac for a son. And he gave me one. <laughs> Hallelujah. All things technical now. He might not get certain other things, but he can do the technical. Hallelujah. Go ahead, baby. Thank you, Lord. This song, I guess, is one of my favorites because it speaks of my life. While on life's rage, 
It looked as if I would suffer defeat As the darkness of night closed off the light My heart sank with fear My desperate cry rang out with fright All I could see was no hope in sight With faith all but gone I met the one who came looking for me he came looking for me He came looking for me He made a way When there was no way That I could see When I drifted far Jesus was here To rescue my soul And calm all my fears Safe with no harm Since I met the one Who came looking for me Oh, the enemy's got a plan for you tonight But Jesus is looking for you Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, Satan had already picked out my grave His plans had moved forward To pick me away I drifted so far would anyone care that I'd soon be lost? I knew my destruction was a matter of time. But Jesus appeared, said, this one, she's mine. Now I'm safe with no harm. For he walked through the storm. He came looking for me. He came looking for me. He came looking for me And he made a way When there was no way That I could see When I drifted far Jesus was here To rescue my soul And calm all my fears Now I'm safe with no harm Since I met the one who came looking for me He came looking for me He came looking for me He made a way When there was no way That I could see With no harm Since I met the one Who came looking for me Hallelujah, Sister Susie I'm not just safe, bless God But I'm safe with no harm Hallelujah For all things have worked together For my good Because I love God And I am called according to His purpose Woo! Lord, it ain't going to be hard tonight, Pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's an anointing up here. My God, if you'll just plug in just a little bit, it won't take much. Hallelujah. That anointing will grab hold of you, and it'll give you something you need way down inside. Oh, my God. 
I'm glad I serve a living God tonight. Hallelujah. Susie, come on. Hallelujah. Don't worry, I think it's in the microphone. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> they call me cold turkey every time, and I'm just like, no, so nervous. <laughs> but I love the Lord, and she's talking about how he came looking for her and how sometimes the storms seem bigger than, than we can mount. Amen. But you know what I found? That if you'll just go ahead and call it Goliath, we know how that ends, right? We know. Now, if you call it bankruptcy, I'm not sure how that's going to work. I'm not sure how that's going to end. Amen. If you call it financial debt or you call it a broken home, I'm not sure how, how relationships exactly work. But I know how Goliath works. Amen. Because <laughs> he comes out at us and with his, he's, he's bigger than us. He's bigger than all of Israel. He stands on this side of the mountain and he calls down and he curses us and he tells us what he's going to do to us. And we begin to get in ourselves and we begin to get afraid. Amen. Glory to God. But David stepped out. And he said, wait a minute. He didn't look at Goliath and say, oh my God, he's so big. He looked at Goliath and he said, a, a target that size I can't miss. Is that right? A target that size I can't miss. Amen. And we got to look at this thing and we got to quit worrying and fretting and fig trying to figure out in ourselves, how's this going to work? How's this going to come down? Amen. Just call it Goliath and say, this battle's not mine. I give it to you, Lord, it's thine. Amen. And he knows how to bring giants down. Glory to God. Hallelujah. With this one little old stone. I like what the Bible said. The Bible said as he whipped that stone, that stone flew directly into his forehead. And this is what I like. The Bible said it sunk in. <laughs> Amen. I believe Goliath knew at that moment that he had been hit with the Word of God. Have you ever been sitting in a service and got hit with the Word of God? And that old hard head, you could feel it kind of give way and the words sink in. And you knew that that stone was for you. Amen. Glory to God. I'm so thankful that God knows exactly what we need. I'm glad he comes looking for us. Last night when preacher, when pastor was preaching, and in that last scripture he gave us about uh, the Lord said, you go out to the lost sheep of Israel. Let me tell you something. That word lost. Y'all ever done that? You've read a scripture. My God, John 3, 16. Something you've read a million times. You've heard it preached a million times. But all of a sudden when you're looking, it just kind of elevates right off the page at you. That word lost sheep. They were all the sheep. Israel was the sheep of God. Israel was the flock of God. But they had defiled themselves, like Sister Lisa was speaking up here in the beginning. They had defiled themselves. You know with what? With laws, with religion, with regulations, with things that were so far from God that it had perverted and corrupted the gospel. I was asking God just a couple of weeks ago. I said, Lord, why didn't you come now? I mean, really, you think about it. Why did you come 2,000 years ago? You had to walk everywhere you went? You rode, you rode a donkey one time? I said, you could have, you could have rode an Alexis. <laughs> you could have got on a jet, you know? Uh, you could have had a cell phone. <laughs> you wouldn't have had to went out in a boat. We got microphones now. You know, why not now? It would have been so much easier for you. And you know what the Lord spoke back to me? He said, because the gospel had gotten so corrupt, and there wasn't but a few, Brother Matter, that was scattered. They were lost. 
They had, they had drifted away from that. And, and, the, and, the, and the, the word that came to my mind was Nicodemus, how he was a Pharisee. That means he was a doctor of the law. He understood the gospel. But when Jesus came on the scene, he came to him at night and he said, tell me, I got to know what I got to do. I got to know what I got to do. And then there is the rich young ruler. The Bible said God loved him. Jesus loved him. But he went away sorrowful because he came looking saying, I got to know. See, there was some lost sheep. Amen. And he said, you go and you find them. What did he tell the disciples when they broke the bread? He said, go get, go get those fragments that none be lost. You know what's going to bring this thing in that Brother Metter is teaching us this week? There's some lost people. Amen. I'm not talking about spiritually lost. I'm not talking about going to hell lost. But I'm talking about you're lost in the Word. You've gotten a little here and you've gotten a little there, but you... You know there's something missing. That's what attracted me to this gospel in 1998 or 99. Was I was just like Nicodemus. I was looking. And I was looking. And I was looking. And when I heard the kingdom, hallelujah, I knew. I said, what must I do? Amen. And that's what keeps bringing me back. And bringing me back, Sister Pat. Is I got to know, amen, what I have to do to obtain this. Glory to God. Not just for me, but I got some children. I got some neighbors. I got some friends. Amen. He's come looking for us tonight. I pray that we'll open our hearts to receive this word. Amen. Hallelujah. You appreciate the Lord tonight? I want us to just open our hearts and let's let God talk to us. Amen. Let's let God talk to us. I'm not here to preach any type of doctrine. Matter of fact, I, I hate religion. I do, I hate it. Religion brings people in bondage. But this word, there's life in it. There's life in it. And you know when I, I'm going on 44 years in my walk with God. And I probably preached, well I know I preached, just almost ever since I got saved because I was raised in church. But in 1978, I launched out full-time. And I've been preaching full-time ministry ever since 1978. That's a long time. And when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I was so hungry that I would pray and I'd fast and I'd pray and I'd seek God and God had talked to me out of that Word. And I was just young in the Lord, and I'd go talk to somebody about the Word. And i say, look, it says this right here. And they said, yeah, but. I said, what do you mean, but? Well, I know it says that, but it don't really mean that. And I just scratched my head. And I had that happen to me so many times, till finally I just told somebody, I said, look, if the Word don't mean what it says, why didn't it say what it meant? Because I believe the Word. I believe the Word. And when God began to speak to my spirit in 2010, I believe that's when it was. No, it was 2006. The Lord spoke into my spirit and He said that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering. 
being made conformable unto his death that by any means I might obtain the resurrection of the dead. The Lord, that's, that's Philippians 3.10. If y'all want to know where it starts. And I saw the power of the resurrected Christ could live right here. And man, it put something in my spirit and set me to seeking God. And God started opening this word up to me and his kingdom up to me. God spoke to me about the kingdom in 87. But I didn't have a full revelation and understanding of it till God started dealing with me about the power of the resurrected Christ in 20, 2006. And ever since 2006, God's put this thing together one piece at a time until this revelation of the gospel of the kingdom, it's alive in here. I said, it's alive in here. And I've been just a little bit at a time Breaking this thing down. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about something God revealed to me back in June. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. We get on into Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. God's going to start breaking down some word. And some of y'all better bring your seatbelts. <laughs> and tie yourself in. Because I'm probably going to preach a lot of things that you've been taught. But you've been taught wrong. I don't want man's doctrine. I want the truth. Because the word said you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. And whom the Son has made free is free indeed. I'm free. I'm free from sin. I'm free from the force of Satan. I'm free from sickness, disease. Anything the devil can do. I'm free to walk. In the liberty that Jesus Christ paid for. And I'm going to serve him. Hallelujah. In the beauty of holiness and in the power of the gospel. I'm going to serve him. Because I believe in him. I do. I believe in him. And. You know I'm, I'm just one. I've always believed the word. And when my. You know when I started preaching this. And I'd get into some of these revelations. And. And I know in 2010 I preached on something and we come home from the meeting and I come in one day and my wife was in the dining room. She had four or five Bibles, a couple of concordances, all kind of books spread out on the table, Sister Pat. And I looked at her and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to find out what I believe. She says, because what you preached ain't what I was taught. And she said, I'm gonna, she said, when I get through with this, I'm going to know what I believe. You know, a lot of people, they'll go to church and they'll just take the preacher's word. I had a man tell me two or three years ago, he said, when I started going to church, he said, I gave my heart to the Lord. He said, I went to church and he said, I carried my Bible in the church. And he said, they come told me I didn't need my Bible. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, we don't let folks bring their Bibles to church. He said, we just take what the preacher says. I said, that's a good way to get messed up. That's definitely a good way to get messed up. You don't take nobody's word for what this word says. You hear the word, you get into it, you study it, and you ask God to reveal it to you. And if you don't understand what's being preached, put it up on the shelf. Because somewhere God will reveal it to you. Somewhere God will reveal it to you. 
Sister Kathy, and you first started hearing me preach, I preached a lot of things you didn't understand. But you got an understanding of a lot of it now. Because it doesn't matter what I preach, the Spirit has to reveal it to you. And if the Spirit don't reveal it, it ain't time for you to understand it. But once the Spirit, and if you, I'm telling you, you get in prayer and seek God, the Spirit will begin to reveal it to you. And I'd come in the house and she'd say, Come here. And I'd walk over to her and she'd read that and I'd say, Okay. She said, Well, what does that mean? And so I'd tell her if God had showed me and I'd tell her what it meant and she said, Well, that ain't what I was taught. I said, I don't care what she's taught. I said, What does that Bible say? What does that Bible say? She said, well, I know what the Bible said, but that ain't what I was taught. I said, I don't care what she's taught. What does the Word say? Because this is what's going to stand. This is what's going to stand. Heaven and earth will pass away, but that ain't going nowhere. Men's doctrine will crumble. Because you build on man's doctrine, you build it on sand if this ain't underneath it. You've got to build on this. In 43 going in 44 years, this ain't never failed me and let me down. It's always been there. Every trial I've walked through, every situation, every circumstance, everything God's allowed me to walk. And i walked through some tough ones. I may have a tougher one than I've ever walked through just ahead of me, but I've walked through some tough storms. And God's brought me through every one of them because I believe this. And I stand on this. I believe it and I stand on it. Hallelujah. Now I want you to go with me to Joel, the book of Joel in the Old Testament, the second chapter. That's where I'm going to start if, if the Lord don't direct me somewhere else. And I'm going to try to get in that visitation that I had back in June. Because, you know, the Lord spoke to us in Alabama. I pastored in Alabama for almost 15 years up till last April and God moved us up here but Lord spoke to us two or three years ago in Alabama and he said be careful he said what I'm fixing to reveal and where I'm fixing to take you he said you've not passed this way before you know I was in uh, Greenville South Carolina back when I was evangelizing this was in 96 and I was in an a auditorium up there, a man up there rent an auditorium, and about every two or three months, I'd go up there and preach. He had some people up there, and I'd go up there and preach. And I stepped out to take the service one day, and the whole auditorium just disappeared. And I went into a vision, and I saw Jordan just roll back. And I saw the children of Israel go over on dry ground. And the Lord spoke to me then. He said, you walk soft. He said, you listen to my voice. He said, because where I'm fixing to take my people, he said, you ain't passed this way before. There's a revealing of the kingdom and the fullness of Christ that nobody's ever walked in. Y'all hear me? No generation has ever walked where God's fixing to take us. And this ain't for everybody. What God's revealing ain't for everybody. You gotta, you gotta be hungry for God. You gotta, be, you gotta hunger and thirst after righteousness. You gotta want God's reality in your life. And if you just want to go to church and be a, a good saint of God and just serve God best of your ability and, and 
There's people like that. They don't want anything in God. They just want to be a good Christian. Me, i got to know Him. In the power of His resurrection. That power of the resurrected Christ can live right here. I'm talking about all the fullness of God can live right here. It can take its abode right here. And i got to have it. I got, I've been after it 43 years. And I'm closer now than I've ever been. I'm going to get this thing by God's grace and mercy. Lord already spoke to me two or three times in prophecy by different people and said, I've revealed the kingdom to you, but I've held you back that you can't go into the kingdom because i got people I want you to lead into this kingdom. And I believe there's some people here tonight that want to go into the kingdom of God. I'm talking about right here. I ain't talking about up there. Why do, why do people think everything's got to be up there? What you going to need up there? Sure ain't going to be no devils to fight. Sure ain't going to be no sicknesses to heal. There ain't going to be no trials. There ain't going to be no temptations. Once you get home, once you get up there, I need something here. Am I making sense to anybody? I've got to have something here. I've got to have something here. And the Lord will put you through trials. You know, the first real severe trial I went through, I didn't understand. Because, Sister Pat, I was taught that when something bad happens to you, it's the devil. A lot of Pentecostal folks was taught that way. A lot of just good church folks was taught anything bad happens to you, it's the devil. You go, you go through something, it's the devil doing it to you. But I'm going to tell you something. If that be the case, boy, poor old Paul, he had a lot of devils after him. Because he went through a lot of things. Amen. But he finally come to the place and realized, he said, I glory in my tribulations. He said, because every time I go through trials and tribulations, it brings me to a new place in God. So every time God steps back and allows your faith to be tried, it's to take you to a depth in God you ain't never been. It's to take you to a new place. And I didn't understand that first trial, I, a real hard trial I went through. And I fell off a roof and busted myself all up. And here I was preaching the gospel. I was uh, evangelizing, preaching the gospel, going all over the world, going to India and the Philippines and Central America, South America. I mean preaching uh, on the mission field sometimes 30, 40, 50,000. Seeing God open blind eyes and deaf ears and loose dumb tongues and heal all manner of sickness and disease and having tent revivals all over the country and God saving souls. And then I go through this. And I had some good old Job's comforters out there. You probably had a few of those and you was going through what you went through. Had one man write me. And I opened his letter. And he said, Brother, I don't know what you've done when you sinned and you messed up. I said, But you better repent and get things right with God. I said, Because you, you sure messed up. I said, God dropped the hammer on you. And I just hung my head and cried. Because I was, I was living in prayer. Studied the Word hours. Preached. Probably three weeks out of the month and seen people get healed and delivered and helped. And then I opened the next letter. And a young man wrote me. He said, Brother Metter, you've always been an inspiration to me. And he said, I heard about what happened to you. And he said, I asked God. He said, why do bad things happen to good people? 
And he said, the Lord spoke to me. Have you considered my servant Job? Hallelujah. That made me shout. Because <laughs> God allows you to go through things. You know, when Job went through what he went through, the Lord spoke to Satan and said, You have caused me to try that man. There's no reason that I put this man through what I put him through. He said, you, you have moved me to try him without a cause. But he's coming through. He's coming through. He said, Everything that you've come against Job with, and I've allowed it. He said, That man walked up right before me. There was no reason for him to go through what he went through. But God tried him and brought him forth as pure gold. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord? Yeah. From Joel, the second chapter, and I'm going to go to the 25th verse. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. Now listen to what God's saying. My great army, which I sent among you. So God is doing this. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that had dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God. And none else and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And I will show wonders in the heavens above or in the heavens and in the earth beneath or in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, Mount Zion's the church, said, shall be deliverance as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, the third chapter. When you get there, say Amen. I'm going to tell you, I've really enjoyed this meeting so far. And I believe it's just going to get gooder and gooder. <laughs> Amen. I do. I believe it's going to get gooder and gooder. Acts chapter 3. Let's go to verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And He shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Now go back to Matthew 17, and we're going to go to verse 10. Y'all there with me? Matthew 10, I mean Matthew 17, and verse 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, 
Why say the scribes that Elias or Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias or Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Now I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, because that's where I'm going to go next. The first chapter, and I'm going to be reading out of there in just a few minutes. But I want to stop and pray here for just a moment. And let's ask God to give us understanding, the spirit of understanding, to understand His Word. that be alright? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Let the very mysteries of Your Word, God, be open and give us an understanding of wisdom and knowledge and revelation of Your Holy Child, Jesus. What's done here tonight and in the rest of this meeting and what's already be done, been done, let it be for Thy glory and Thy name to be revealed and honored and lifted up and magnified. For all honor and glory belongs to you, Master. Lord, and we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, on June the 11th, it was about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning, I was in prayer. And the Lord took me out in the Spirit. And it was like I was standing in space. And I saw all the planets. Out of, it's like they were out of orbit. It's like nothing was moving right. Everything was out of God's order. And then I saw a great explosion just in the blink of an eye. Just a huge explosion. And everything, when I look back, the explosion cleared, everything was in order. The planets were moving right. They were in timing. Everything was working right. And I heard these words right here out of Ephesians, the first chapter, and the 20th verse. And it says this, Which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And when the Lord showed me that, and he spoke that word to me, this is what he told me. 
He said it was not just a resurrection. He said it was a reconciliation. He said, I created man in my image, in my likeness. He said, I didn't mean for man to die. I created man eternal. I created him immortal. But I told man if he ever eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, said he would die. And when that time came that man eat, and you know, some people say it's one thing, some another. I believe it's just pure disobedience. I don't believe Eve just reached up and took an apple off of a tree or everybody says, but there was an act of disobedience that when that disobedience came, it caused them to die spiritually. They lost immortality. They lost that spiritual life with God and then the body began to die because of sin. God didn't mean for man to, to sin. He meant for man to live eternally because this is God's house. This is God's house. This is what God created. God made all the heavens, the earth, everything in earth for man, but God made man for himself. God made man for himself. I mean, you read Isaiah, the 66th chapter. God said, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. He said, what building are you going to make? What, what building are you going to make? Or what is the place of my rest? He said, there ain't no building I'm going to dwell in. He said, I created man. I created man to live in him. And when I saw this happen and God spoke to me, he said, this was not just a resurrection. He said, I brought reconciliation. And he said, I set everything back in my divine order. He said, when man sinned, he throwed everything out of order. He said, but when I raised my son from the dead, he said, Satan had been conquered and destroyed. Did you know that Adam was not deceived? The Bible said Eve being a transgression was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. He just followed what Eve asked him to do. And Adam gave the kingdom away. God created man in the kingdom of God, set him up in it, and everything was at man's control. Everything was at his disposal. Whatever Adam spoke, God done it. Adam named the animals. That's what they were called. Why? They, man was in the very image and likeness of God. And he lived that way for thousands of years before sin come in. So God just couldn't reach down there and take everything away from the devil because man gave it away. So God had to find a man that he could trust to do what needed to be done to take this back away from the devil. And it took him thousands of years until he found a man after his own heart named David. And through that lineage of that man, David, he brought forth a man named Jesus. And by that man becoming obedient unto God and submitting his life to God, he took the authority and the power back away from the devil and he reconciled it back to man. See, people think, Jesus just died to save you. He did. They think he just died 
to forgive your sins. He did. They think he just took that beating to heal your body. He did, but he reconciled and put everything back in God's order. The word reconcile means to restore and put everything back like it was. So, when God raised Jesus from the dead, that that he wrote in Christ put the road or the avenue back in place for man to return back to where he created him in the beginning. Exactly where he created him in the beginning. Hallelujah. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Let me find my scripture. Man, I appreciate the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. See, I don't believe you've got to serve God in weakness. I don't believe you've got to serve God letting the devil beat your brains out every day and attacking you with sickness and disease and trouble and torment and sorrow and financial woes. You may go through some of them things, but if you'll allow God to work in you, and purge you and mature you, you will reach a place that you live in victory. You will reach a place you live in authority and dominion over the devil right here on this earth. Hallelujah. Because what God wrought in Jesus when he raised him from the dead made the way back to the Father for man to walk therein. It's already paid for. It's already paid for. You have the privilege right now to return back to the place that God created Adam. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because he didn't just save you. He reconciled you. He reconciled that relationship. Everything man had done to mess up, Jesus straightened it out. See, God is a God of law and order. So how man moved out of God's law and order to lose everything, Jesus moved in God's law and order to restore everything. Hallelujah. That's what Joel was talking about in 225. He said there's coming a time that God is going to restore unto you the years. Everything, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, the locust, everything that's been taken away from you, God said, I'm going to give it back. I'm going to give it back. He's gave it back to us, and he's waiting for somebody to take this word and begin to overcome Satan. He's waiting for somebody to take this word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let me leave that right there and let me go to Hebrews. My God, I feel the power of God in this place tonight. I'm going to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Hallelujah. How many of y'all know what the Holy of Holies is? Anybody know what the Holy of Holies is? Do y'all know when Moses set up the tabernacle in the wilderness... There was the outer court, the inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies. The only person that could go in that Holy of Holies was the priest, the high priest, and he could only go when God called him, usually once a year. Because the Ark of the Covenant was there, and the full presence of God dwelt there. 
I mean, God in all His glory dwelt behind that curtain. And on July the 28th, I think it was, in 2011, I had just performed a wedding reunion for a couple in our church. 25 years, I was going down the road, and I went into a vision, and I saw David trying to bring the ark back to Israel because it had been gone for a long time. You know, when uh, Samuel was a young man, they took the ark into a battle, and Hot Nine Finney, Eli's sons, got killed there, and the Philistines captured the ark. They kept it about five or six months, but then they put it on a cart, and it went back to Israel, but a man found it, and he put it in his house. And I think in something like 20-something years, it stayed there. Nobody would nobody go after it. So David went to get it. I saw all this in a vision. David went to get it, but because he'd done it wrong, a man got killed. And David set that ark aside in somebody's house, and the Bible said he feared God that day. And it stayed there another two or three months until they went back to get it right. God never spoke in the law. You study it out. He never spoke in the law for the holy ark of the covenant to be put on a cart. The Ark of the Covenant was born on the shoulders of the priesthood. And when David put it on a cart, and that cart rocked, and it started to fall, and that man put his hands up there on the ark, God smote him. But it was David's fault. But I said all that to say this. While I seen this vision, the Lord spoke to me, and He said, My spirit's coming home. And He said, This is home. My spirit's coming home. This is God's home. This is God's home, Brother Kevin. This is where God wants to dwell. Not in this little thing we're giving Him. Not in this little time frame that we've allotted Him. See, we live our lives and we try to work God in our lives. You better start living for God and try to work your life into God's plan. Because God's looking for somebody that's going to serve Him wholehearted. And two different times... After I saw this vision, I was down in the church in Alabama praying, and I heard the shofar, the priest's horns. Says Clay, I heard the horns blow. And when I looked up, I saw the priest of God carrying the Ark of the Covenant down the aisles of the church, and he brought it right up here and set it down. Two different times. About two weeks after God gave me this vision, I saw him carried in, and about two weeks after that, I saw him carried in again. Heard them ram's horns blow. Looked up and saw the priesthood. You say, you crazy. No, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God's fixing to come home. And this is home. But God's building him a temple. He's building him a tabernacle. In Ephesians, the second chapter, he said we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being a chief cornerstone. And we are being made a fit habitation of God by his Spirit. God's getting us ready for this fullness of God to move in right here. You say it won't ever happen. Might not for you. But I got my eyes on the mark. Y'all ever read in Philippians 3 and 3 where Paul said, I got my eyes on the mark? You know what mark he had his eyes on? That resurrected Christ to live in here. 
He said, I got my eyes on a mark. I, I pressed toward a mark. There's a prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he said, he said, I believe it can live right here. He said, I got my eyes on it and I pressed toward it. Is anybody pressing toward the mark tonight? I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm pressing toward the mark. There's a lot of people ain't pressing toward the mark because they've never been taught to press toward the mark. Everybody's taught. You go to church, you repent. You get a little taught in tongues. And you serve God and you just wait for the Lord to come catch you home. Let me tell you something. I don't want the Lord to catch me home. I want Him to move back. I want him to move back to where he started in man when God created man in the beginning. He said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let us give him dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over everything creepeth on the earth. Let's put that dominion in man. Hallelujah, and he did till man sinned. But now the way's been made. Back to God. Back to God. Back in that Holy of Holies. I want to read you something in Hebrews 6, and then I'll go back to 1 Corinthians. But this is in Hebrews, the 6th chapter. Let me see where I need to... It's hard just to pick up. Let's go to verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that He might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. That means it's behind the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. See, Jesus has already gone back there. He's the forerunner. You hear me? Jesus never done one priestly duty on this earth. But yet, the Bible tells us he was our high priest. Does it not? said, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Everything you can be tempted with, brother, the man Jesus was tempted with it. And he overcame it. He overcame it. As a man with God living in him. Not as a God. Because if he was already God, then what's the point in him going through temptation? He had to do it as a man. He had to do it as a man to level the playing field. If he already had power over the devil and could whip the devil, then the temptation in the wilderness, there was no point in it. But he as a man, he conquered sin in his flesh and overcame it by the Spirit of God that lived in him. That's why we need what's coming. There's a baptism of the Holy Ghost coming that this generation or no generation's ever had that's going to take us into the full authority and dominion of God. It's going to take us there if we'll go. But you've got to want this. See, it said Jesus entered in to that veil. When He was resurrected, He ascended. Y'all hear me? 
He ascended. And when he ascended, he walked up to that veil, pushed it aside, walked into that Holy of Holies, put his blood on the mercy seat, and made the way for eternal salvation for me and you. Made the way into that Holy of Holies. Hallelujah. He's the forerunner. He done gone in there. And now a new and a living way has been consecrated uh, for me and you uh, to go uh, into that Holy of Holies uh, to possess uh, that fullness of God uh, because uh, it wasn't just a resurrection. Uh, it was a reconciliation uh, that he brought everything uh, back into God's divine order. Everything that was out of order came back into God's order. Everything. Anybody with me? Yes. Am I messing with you tonight? No, I'm just telling you what belongs to you. The church ain't never told you what belongs to you. They ain't never told you what you could possess. Why? They didn't understand the mysteries of this word that God's hid. You know, Paul said... He said, the mysteries of God that's been hid for generations, been hid from the foundation of the world. He said, God has opened them unto me and said, get me knowledge in the mysteries of God. And the Lord told me on April the 11th, when that man come and prophesied to me, he said, I've opened the mysteries to you that I opened to the apostles in the first church. He said, and I want you to preach them. And that's why I'm preaching like I'm preaching. Because you need to know who you are, what you can become, and what belongs to you in God. Romans 11, I mean 8, will tell you that you are an heir with God and a joint heir with God. Christ, not Jesus. There's a difference between the man Jesus and the resurrected Christ. Paul didn't write that we're heirs with Jesus. He said you are an heir with God and a joint heir with Christ. So what Christ became, you can become. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Well, Brother Miller, I had not never been taught this. Well, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? What does the Word say? Does the Word not tell us this? Romans 8. We're going to have a good time tonight. I don't care how mad the devil gets. Let him get mad. Romans 8. And let's go to verse 17. When you get there, say Amen. And if children, then heirs. Heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. Y'all see that? A joint heir means equal. Study your scripture. Go back to the Greek. It means joint or equal that you got the same privileges he's got. You get the same inheritance he inherited. Are y'all hearing me? You ain't going to need it up there. You got to have something down here. You got to have some down here, children. You don't get your inheritance after you die. You get it while you're living. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell y'all a story. There was a man I read about years ago, and they say this is a true story. He said he wanted to come to America, so he saved his money for months. 
to book passage on a ship. And he finally got enough money to book his passage. And he had just enough money left, so he went and bought him a big old block of cheese and, and some crackers. <laughs> and he would go by the dining hall every day and look in the window at them people eating all that good food. And then he'd go back and eat him some cheese and crackers. The last day of the voyage, one of the crewmen come to him. And he was standing outside the dining hall again, watching him eat. And he said, I've seen you this whole trip, but I've never seen you in the dining hall. He said, I don't have the money. He said, man... He said every bit of that in there was included in your fare, in, in, in your ticket. He said, you mean I could have been sitting in there all three weeks eating the best? He said, yes, you could. He said, but because you didn't know, I, he said, I've eaten cheese and crackers. So you got a choice. You can either eat cheese and crackers or you can eat the goodness of God. Hallelujah. You'll have to eat cheese and crackers. You can eat the goodness of God. Amen. You can eat the goodness of God, children. But you got to know what belongs to you. You got to know what belongs to you. You got to know you're an heir in God. You got to know you're a joint heir in Christ. And that all this, it's already paid for. It's already paid for. Amen. It's already paid for. Hallelujah. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians 5. First Corinthians 5. And I'm going to verse 18. Y'all with me? And all things... I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5. Paul will do it to me every time. One day, me and him going to have a long talk. Because I'm always getting First and 2 Corinthians and First and 2 Timothy and... First and Second Thessalonians, I'm always getting all them things mixed up. Maybe I just need to read more. Or ask God to help me retain more of my knowledge or something. Now, are y'all with me? Is there an 18? Okay, let's go there. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That means to put everything right back like it was when Adam sinned. To put things back in God's divine order. That what 
God gave man in the beginning the way's been made for us to inherit it and possess it. You say, well, but Brother Metter, what's holding it back? You? <laughs> because you won't believe and you won't press your way into this. This is the kingdom. Luke sixteen sixteen. if I've got my scripture right, said Ever, the kingdom of God is revealed and every man presses his way into it. Now, if you don't understand the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, you have to go back and get the first night that I preached on the revelation, the difference between the kingdom of heaven and heaven. There's a place called heaven, but it's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven's here. It dwells here. Luke 17 and 20, the Pharisees pressed on Jesus so hard and said, you keep talking about this kingdom, but where is it? Jesus said, you can't see the kingdom of heaven with your eyes, with observation. You can't say, lo here or lo there. For the kingdom of heaven, or the rule and the reign of heaven, is come down to live in man. It, it's within you. It's within you. Any of y'all ever pray the Lord's Prayer? I pray it every day. Sometimes two or three times a day. I open every prayer with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, or sacred, holy, be thy name. Anybody know what the next line says? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth, not on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. In other words, what you're praying is, we know that everything in heaven is under your authority and your dominion. We know and understand this. Now let that rule and reign of God that controls the heavens, let it dwell right here. That as your will's done in heaven, so let it be done in earth. Does that make sense to y'all? Does that make sense? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you read Matthew, the 6th chapter and the 33rd verse, it says, Seek ye first. Didn't say do it second, do it third, do it last. It said, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. It said, All y'all do is you worry about what you're going to eat, you worry about what you're going to wear, you worry about what you're going to put on, you worry about where you're going to sleep. You worry about all these natural things. He said, when really in your ability, he said, you can't change nothing. He said, your ability, you can't cause your body to grow one cubit. And a cubit, according to the measure in the Bible, is 18 inches. But he said, if you can't do that which is least, why do you worry about all these other things? He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and said all these things that the Gentiles labor for and fight for and desire to have, he said, I'll give them to you. He said, I'll give them to you. Says Susie, that's where you're fixing to come. All these things that you've done without, and God's caused you to do without them, they're fixing to come because you've got a heart for the kingdom and you've set your heart to see the kingdom and to possess it and for it to be revealed in you. 
Don't back up. Don't matter how hard it gets. See, we start worrying when we don't have all these natural things that our flesh desires. People in America got this idea that we're supposed to live this good life. If you don't have the kind of car you want, live in the kind of house you want, have the kind of job you want and the money and be able to buy it, you get upset with God. God ain't never promised you all this stuff. He promised you that you would prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. So he said, your soul is supposed to prosper first. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He said, I will bring divine health. I will bring prosperity. But everybody's got it turned around. They want the prosperity of the natural man before they want the spiritual man to go anywhere. You may prosper in the natural, but I'm going to tell you something. If you don't ever enter into a relationship with God, I don't care what you have in the natural, you're going to be man most miserable. Y'all hear me? I've had people come to my meetings, and I had a lady come to my meeting way back in the 80s before I ever... Uh, I, w- I wouldn't even think about starting a church. But I had people come to me, Sister Kathy, in the middle 80s. They got saved in my meeting. Matter of fact, they were some of the most well-to-do people in the town where I had my tent. And I went. they got saved in that meeting. And I went back and pre- preached in their living room. I've done a lot of preaching in people's homes. Because I don't care if I'm preaching to five or 105 or 15,000. It don't, it don't matter to me. The Lord told me, you don't preach to, soul, to people, you preach to souls. And he said, it don't matter if you're witnessing one-on-one or you're preaching to a multitude. He said, every soul's important. So I, I've done a lot of preaching over the years in people's homes. So I was preaching in this lady's home, and they'd gotten saved about a year before. And the Spirit of God got on her and brought her under conviction, Sister Pat. And she said, I've got to be baptized tonight. I said, where do you want me to baptize you tonight? There's a man spoke up and said, well, I got a cow pond in my backyard. So at about midnight, by flashlight, watching out for snakes, we hiked up a hill, probably a good three or four hundred yards, Lisa, was you there? Hiked up a hill, pitch black, by flashlight, waded out in that cow pond and sunk in mud up to my calves. These fine, upstanding folks, big people in the community, she waded out there in that Pond with me, and somebody else was there. I don't think you got in, did you? Did you? Somebody, somebody, come out and help me baptize her. Before God, I tell you the truth. I lie not. 
And I told her, I said, I'm fixing to baptize you in the name of Jesus. And I said, God's going to admit all your sins. And I said, if this is right, I said, when you come up out of this water, I mean, because they come out of the Methodist church, they didn't know nothing about the Holy Ghost. But she told me, she said, Brother Matt, if you don't baptize me tonight, I feel like I'm going to die. So we waited out there. And I mean, time we got out there, I was probably up my knees in mud. And her husband was a sinner. And he was walking that bank just a raving. He didn't know what was going on. He thought we'd lost our minds. And I thought, I think I heard a cuss word or two slip out from under his breath every now and then. But he didn't know. And I took that sister and I baptized her. She went under that water and she come up and the Spirit of God hit her and she like to drown it all three of us. She was a flipping and a flopping and a jerking and a splashing, kind of like you were that night you got baptized, Sister Susie. I mean, but here we were in pitch black, two or three people holding flashlights, and I said, my God, don't turn her loose. I said, you do, we're going to lose her. And it took us probably 15 minutes to get that woman on the shore and her drunk in the Holy Ghost, flopping around there, talking in tongues, and her husband standing there just wide-eyed looking at us. And I'm telling you, before God, I lie not. But I've had them situations. That's what happened to Susie when I baptized her. The Spirit of God hit her, and man, she come up out of that water talking in tongues. And said she talked in tongues all night. Somebody drove her home from Alabama. And she talked in tongues all night. But it was real. It was real. Spirit of God's real. See, that's what, those kind of things is what seals people to this Word. Because this Word brings life. I'm not just preaching, you go down to the altar and repent and you get a little talk in tongues, and then you just sit on the church bench. God has a purpose for people's lives. He might use you one-on-one. -on -one. There's some people going to win souls one-on-one -on -one more than they're ever going to win in a pulpit. I can win souls one-on-one, -on -one, but I can win them standing on a mission field preaching to forty and 50,000. I can win them standing in a banana grove in Honduras, preaching to seven, eight hundred by generator light. And I can win them one-on-one -on, -one on the street corner because I'm a soul winner. I'm a soul winner, and I believe in this Jesus. But the church has just sat down. And I'm telling you, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Amen. But the labors are few. I don't know how far I read in Second Corinthians 5, but I'm going to 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. In other words, He's let you know it's more than forgiveness. It's more than just forgiveness. It's reconciliation. I was talking to a man the other day. Y'all know we had our 15th anniversary in Alabama two or three weeks back. And 
I ministered down there. We didn't get to be here that Sunday. And the power of God fell, and there was a man there, and he knew Brother Harris, the pastor of the church, and I just had him go get him. And the man had just got out of prison. He'd spent four or five years in prison. And he had gone to church before he went to prison. He let some people mess him up and talk him into doing some things wasn't right. And he got locked up. Spent either four or five years in prison. Hadn't been out, I think, a month. And so I called him up there to pray for him. And this is what I told him. I said, you've got to understand. I said that when God forgives... He don't only forgive, He forgets. He said, I'll remember your iniquities no more. When God really, when you really ask God for forgiveness, brother, He don't just forgive, He forgets. I want to show you all something. And this is what I told Him. They come out with a song here a while back, and I'm not much for listening to songs. But it talked about, and the Word talks about, your sins being cast in the sea of forgetfulness. And I can't remember the group. It's been probably been eight, ten years, but they come out with it and sang it. And this is what the Lord showed me about this. It says, God will remove your sins as far as east is to west. Let's just say this was round. This is as close as I can get. We'll do it like this. If you go down here to Atlanta and you get on a plane and you fly north long enough, you're going to fly south. You fly south long enough, you're going to start flying north again. But you get on that plane in Atlanta, you fly east, you go out over Atlantic Ocean, come in over Europe, you come around, come across Asia, come across the Pacific, you're going to be flying east continually you get on that plane Atlanta and you fly west over the United States out over Pacific Ocean come over Asia Europe back across the Atlantic Ocean you fly in west continually east and west don't ever meet north and south will meet but God said I will remove your sins as far as east is from west because they don't ever meet and he said I'll remember your iniquities no more so the Lord just don't forgive. He forgets. And I told that brother, I said, God's forgive you, and He's forgotten, but you've got to forgive yourself. People don't want to forgive themselves because the accuser of the brethren, which is Satan, he's always pointing his finger at you. Always pointing his finger at you and telling you, Every mistake you make, God's forgot you. God's rejected you. God don't love you no more. God's cast you aside. When I fell off that roof back in 2000, and I busted myself up, I spent two months in a hospital bed in my own bedroom. Couldn't even sleep in my own bed. I separated my pelvic bone from the base of my spine all the way down three-quarters of an inch. Fractured two ribs, fractured that elbow, and I still got one vertebrae or disc. What is it? Vertebrae? Disc. Is it the L5 that's crushed? Can't remember, but the L5 and the L1 disc 
I cracked one and mashed the other flat. And it's still mashed flat in my back. Because I didn't let them operate on it. And I don't live in pain. I move, do anything I want to, because God gave me a miracle. But while I was going through that, and I went through some pain, and it wasn't bad enough to be going through the pain. About three weeks after this happened, I had a doctor's appointment. So put that back brace on, you know, them elastic ones, you pull it around you. Hobbled out to the car. She took me to the doctor. doctor checked me, told me I was doing good. My appetite was starting to come back. My pain was really low. I wasn't taking any kind of pain medicine. And I said, well, I ain't been out of the house about three weeks. I said, why don't we go get something to eat? Pulled up to a stop sign, and a man ran up behind us and popped us. Hit the bumper of that car. And I had my, I loosened my brace, and when it did, it throwed me forward and yanked me back, and I screamed. I mean, I screamed. And just so happens, a, a deputy sheriff was sitting right there waiting to turn, and he seen it, and he pulled in. And he called a car to make a report, and he said, do you want to go to the hospital? I said, no, sir. He said, you probably need to go. I said, I ain't going to the hospital. Because three weeks before, they come got me, put me on a backboard, strapped me down, and left me there from 2.30 in the afternoon to 6.30 that night. I said, I ain't going through that again. I ain't going to lay there like that. Because I waited for, what, hour and a half before I'd ever let her call 911. I laid on the ground, had people pray, says Susie, I believe God that much. But God didn't, God, that wasn't God's plan. God wanted to put me through some things and teach me some compassion and help me understand some things, and He did. But what was it, three or four days? I was doing good, I was eating good, and then all of a sudden, man, everything just left me. I couldn't eat, I couldn't set up, I couldn't breathe, and she had to take me and I called people in, told them to go to prayer for me. I did not want to go back to the doctor. And they took me and checked me, and I had pneumonia in one lung. Within seven days, I had pneumonia in both lungs. By going through all that, and plus the pain in my back started back. And every night I'd go to sleep, there was a dark cloud appeared in the left-hand corner of my bedroom. And that voice come out of that thing and talked to me and said, You failed God. God's rejected you. You'll never preach again. You'll never have another miracle again. You'll never walk right again. You'll never serve God again. You'll never fulfill your ministry. And I fought that thing for a solid month, day in and day out. And then a good friend of mine, some of y'all might know Franklin Walden. He'd gone on to be with the Lord now. But he came to my house. Because when he had his heart attack in 94, I went to the hospital. And then when he come home, I went to his home and talked to him and prayed with him. And if he needed prayer, he'd call me. Because he had confidence in what God put in me. But he came to my home, sat down in the living room, and just talked to me about some of the things he'd gone through. And then when he got up, he walked over and laid his hands on me. And he did that spirit left me. 
But I fought that thing for a solid month. That accusing force of hell telling me that I had failed God. That God had rejected me. That He didn't love me no more. I would never preach again. I would never have a... I mean, I fought that thing. So the devil can condemn and accuse you. I don't care what your call is. I don't care where you're at in God. The Lord let that hedge down. Buddy, I wrestled that thing. I mean, sometimes all day long and into the night, and I'd go to sleep, and when I'd wake up in the morning, that thing would be right there and start in on me again. Day in and day out for nearly a month. But I held on to God's Word. Held on to God's Word. That happened on February the 19th in 2000. And somewhere at the end of May, my brother's in North Carolina. He's going on to be with the Lord now. He called me and wanted to know if I'd come up to the camp meeting. And I already had it planned to go up. And I had a five-speed truck. <laughs> and the man was supposed to drive me up there, backed out on me at the last minute. And I told her, I said, I'm going. She couldn't go. She had the kids. I said, I'm going. I said, I ain't been to church in weeks. I ain't been able to get on my knees and pray. I said, I got to go get something from God. So if you can come to church and pray, you need to come to church and get on your knees. Because there may be the day you can't get on your knees. And when I pulled out of the driveway, I know she's praying for me and she's worried about me. But I drove three and a half hours up to that camp meeting. I took that back brace off and put it in the back seat where it wouldn't pull me so hard. And I had to get used to it. There was a little bit of pain there when I'd shift them gears. Well, I got down on the interstate and everything was all right. And I got up there. Went to the motel, got cleaned up, got to the church, and I had that back brace on real loose, and I got out of the truck, and I went to cinch it up, and I told the Lord, I said, I've had enough. I said, I ain't going down this road no more. I took that thing, I threw it in the back seat. I said, you're going to heal me. I said, I ain't wearing this thing no more, for I believe God. That's what I told him. And I went in there and testified, and... Man, I had the whole church in tears. You know, because everybody heard what happened to me. And says, Susie, you know, I'm a man of faith. I mean, I, I love God. I trust God. There's, and, but I've had to go through some things that God said, teach me some things. And so the brother called me the next day. He wanted to know if I could preach. The camp meeting that night, I said, well, brother, I said, I can't really stand on my feet more than about 15, 20 minutes. I said, I start hurting. My muscles just ain't. You know, they ain't back, and I still... And he said, well, I want you to do what you can. And so I started meditating and praying and studying. I called him back. I said, you know, I, I said, I'm going to revise that statement. I said, I ain't preached in over three months. I said, this word back up in me gets broke loose. I'm going to be up for two or three hours. <laughs> so he asked me to come on. So I got up there and I preached about probably 30, 40 minutes. Told folks what happened to me. You know, preached and encouraged people. And crazy me. I said, now I want to pray for the sick. First man in the prayer line walked up. He said, I was in a car wreck eight years ago. He said, Never, my desk right down through here. He said, I live in constant pain. And you know what I told him? I said, I understand. I feel your pain. And when I laid hands on him, God instantly healed him. He started running around and around the church shouting and praising God. 
And I said, devil, I said, that's one lie down. I said, I've preached. You told me I'd never preach again. I said, that too, you told me I'd never have another miracle. I said, God just worked a miracle. And so for 45 minutes, I prayed for the sick. Felt good. Went back to the motel. Went out with some of the brothers to eat. Went back to the motel, laid down. About 2 o'clock that morning, had to get up and go to the restroom. I couldn't move. <laughs> Every muscle in my body had locked down. I couldn't move. So I rolled over on my stomach, slid off the side of the bed, got down on my face, managed to pull myself up on my hands and knees and crawl to the bathroom and then pull myself up. I was so sore and stiff and hurting. I couldn't believe it after what God had just done because I probably had a half dozen notable miracles. And so I made my way back to the bed and I was better by morning, but I made a liar out of the devil. Sometimes you got to fight. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it before. So what God has done when He raised Jesus from the dead is not just resurrection. It's restitution. It's reconciliation. Everything's been put back in God's divine order. Amen. Everything's been put back in God's divine order. And the way has been made for us to enter into the Holy of Holies. You appreciate the Lord tonight? Would you go to prayer with me? Father, I thank You for Your goodness for your mercy, for the word, for the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. Let your name be honored and glorified through this service. Lord, and whatever's done here, let it be for your name, your will, and your glory to be revealed. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. And if anybody here is sick, I want to I pray the prayer of faith for you. For I believe God. I mean, I went through a trial back in December and, and I almost died. But the Lord turned things for me because God ain't through with me by any means. devil don't want this kingdom preached. He don't want it preached. He don't want people to know that they can live with victory over the devil. Because I'm going to tell you something. The church ain't walking in victory over the devil right now. And if you think you're walking in victory over the devil, just let him hit you with something. And see where your fight's at. Because most people ain't taught fight. They ain't taught prayer. They ain't taught dedication. They ain't taught a relationship with God. I build people on prayer. And I build them on the Word. I pastored a church in Fort Payne, Alabama 15 years. And I started out with about, what, about six or seven, Sister Susie? You'd come on Friday night and sometime on Saturday night and we'd preach to a half a dozen. And I'd preach like church was full. And we left that church on the 12th of April. And that church has went from just a handful, about 40 or 50 people. And we've tripled the size of the building. And they're going to have a Christian school and a, a training center there for missionaries. Because God told us we're going to have it. And I left it in the hands of the assistant pastor. Come up here, and God's going to do the same thing. Y'all hear me? God's going to do something up here. Lord been dealing with me come up here ever since 98. I had two tent revivals. Had one out on, what, 228 or whatever it is, 282? 
yeah, goes over to Chatsworth or goes over to 411. Had one up there in 98, down on Highway 5 where Cocker Lumber Company used to be there. I was there in 99 where I met Sister Susie. And then I started coming up preaching in their home, in their basement, until they built a church out there, Built, uh, preached in a brush harbor. Went up and preached in a brush harbor. My son was maybe 9, 10 years old. Laid hands on him that night. Spirit of God laid him out in the dirt for about 45 minutes. And while I was there to preach at that brush harbor, I looked out the window of Sister Susie and Brother Bobby's dining room. And I said, Brother Bobby, I said, you're going to build a church right there. He said, Brother Mentor, I ain't going to build no church there. He said, I got a church. I said, God spoke to me, you're going to build a church right there. He said, I ain't going to build a church there, Brother Matter. I said, Brother Bobby, I'm telling you, God told me you're going to build a church right there. There's a church sitting there right now. Wasn't about two or three years that church was there because I knew what God showed me. Amen. Anybody here need prayer? If you do, come on right now. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. In Jesus. Yes. Done. Yes. Hallelujah. God will silence it. You mark my words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, sister. What you need the Lord to do for you? Okay. Could be. No. No. God can just wake you up. Uh, whereabouts is your pain at? In my back. Like, I had my back down this like Okay. What, did you have a car wreck or something or just uh, injured? A slide wreck. I S- fell a slide. You fell what now? Down a slide. And fell off? Well, I just kind of like bounced all in the end. Okay. <laughs> all right. Did you have to have any kind of surgery or anything? Or? I wouldn't let them do that. You wouldn't let them do that? Okay. Hallelujah. Sit down right there. And sit. Yeah, just. That's fine. That's stick, that sticks for another purpose. Can you can you check her feet? I want you to hold your feet out and let's see if you got one leg shorter than the other. Just now sit up good and straight. Keep your back good and straight. But I want to see if one leg shorter than the other is the whole purpose. See if your heels are even. It's pretty close. Okay, stand up right here. Does this hurt you all the time, or does it just hurt you at night? Or at night, mainly. At night? Okay. Raise your hands up to the Lord. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Be made. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Man, I felt the Spirit of God. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I believe God done it. Amen. Anyone else? If you know somebody hungry for God, encourage them to come. Encourage them to come. Now, I bought this. I don't know if I bought it today. or I think I bought it today, but I bought it for a reason. Come here, Sister Deborah. The Lord told me to do this. And I'm going to pray for Sister Deborah, and I'm going to put this in her hand because the Lord told me he's fixing a spiritually clean house at her house, and this is a sign. 
You say, well, God don't do that. Let me tell you something. Jesus took a whip and drove them out of the temple. Amen. When they wasn't doing right, He drove them out. And I want you to take this home, and I want you to find a, if you've got to put up a nail. But I'm going to tie a prayer cloth around this that I preached with. And I'm telling you, by the Spirit of the Lord, God fixing a clean house. Because you can't serve God in a bunch of confusion and a bunch of hell raising going on in your house. You can't do it. I've told people for years, I said, if people in your home ain't going to serve God, I said, then you need to lay down some standards. And I said, if you're in control, you need to tell them to get in or get out. I said, Brother Mitter, you can't do it. Yeah, you can. Because you don't need these spirits in your home. Because all they're going to do is war at you and keep you upset and keep you vexed and aggravated and... I command a spirit of boldness, a power of God to come on you, and I command the Bahasa. Wow. Hallelujah. Woo! Power of God hit you, didn't it? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, give me just a minute, Sister Claire. I'm sorry, y'all just bear with me. I, I had a weakness hit me. I've been dealing with things in my body ever since December, but God's given me great strength. But I just had a spirit of weakness hit me right there. So y'all give me just a minute. Bring her, on, bring her up here. Walk right up here and raise your hand, Sister Claire. Sula Chakra Bra. In the name, God, let your boldness, let your strength, let your spirit over. In Jesus' name, let it be so, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God's good. And I need y'all just tomorrow take some time, if y'all would, just pray for my strength. Uh, it don't affect the Word and the Spirit of God in me. But it's just hard to deliver when you don't have strength. And I've just worn myself out tonight. But I'm going to tell you, there have been... I've done some hard preaching last three or four nights. And it takes a lot of physical energy to do this. But you, so y'all y'all pray for me. Uh Lisa, come get the offering buckets. I'm going to set the offering buckets out here and listen to what I'm telling you. There's two of them. There's one I'm going to set right here in front of me. He says, Pastor, if you got something you can help us with personal, because we walked away from our church in Fort Payne, and I walked away from my love offerings and everything there. And then there's one over here that says, Church, you got something you want to help? With the meeting, the expense of the meeting, or help the church here, put it over here. If you got something you want to help me with, put it over here in the pastor bucket. Is that all right? I believe the labor's worthy of his hire. Stand on your feet and come and just do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. If you do, I know God will bless you. Hallelujah. <laughs> come on and honor the Lord. You know, when you give in a, a right spirit, 
with a heart toward God, it's you're actually you're worshiping God when you really give in the right spirit. You're worshiping God, whether you realize it or not. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you enjoyed the word tonight? And I'm gonna tell you these next two or three nights, I'm gonna I'm gonna break down some I'm going to break down some word, and you, some of y'all going to be shocked what God's going to talk to us. But I got the word to back me up. Amen. Got the word to back me up. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Come on right now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God's good to us. Amen. How many of y'all know God's good to us? And I want to thank Sister Deborah. And Sister Kathy for the food. I'm going to tell you something, man. I ate in style last night. I appreciate that good food. I really do. Man had meatloaf and cabbage and green beans and cream corn and blueberry cobbler. And I thought, man. I told Sister Deborah tonight. I said, Brother Don leaks like that all the time. I don't know why he ain't two or three hundred pounds. I said, because if I eat like that every night, I'd be big as the side of a house. And y'all may think I eat a lot, but I don't. I really don't. And uh, it's just a lot of this was brought on by what I thought until uh, the Lord started healing me. And anyone else, you appreciate the Lord. Let's ask God to bless this. Will you do that, Father, in the name of Jesus? Lord, bless it. Sanctify it. Bless the givers. God bless the people that come and heard and give them a heart of understanding. And we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We appreciate our visitors. God bless y'all. Hope y'all come back. Uh, Sister Kathy, come dismiss if you would. Y'all give the Lord a good clap offering. Hallelujah. Ain't God good? To give us so many blessings. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did anybody eat well tonight? Did anybody eat well tonight? That's better. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. I did. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anybody coming back tomorrow night? Oh, Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Sister Susie is too by faith. By faith. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Stand your feet. I, you can't add nothing to that. That, <laughs> that was just awesome. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you that you are holy, God. That you are our creator. You are our father. Your name is holy, God. Lord, we thank you, God, that you chose us, that you love us, that you've redeemed us, you've reconciled us, God, you've made a way. We thank you, God, for this word that is truth and power and life, God. We ask you, Lord, to settle it in us, God, deep in our spirit. Let it take root, God, and grow forth, God, unto good fruit, Father, that we can be powerful, effective vessels for the kingdom of God in this hour, God. Where we live now, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we, we honor you and we thank you, Lord, that you cause us to have understanding and revelation 
And we bind a spirit of confusion that would try to twist and confuse things, God, for this people and this body. And we give you glory in Jesus' holy name. And the church said, Amen. Amen.